Welcome to Robot Revolution Deep Dives, the podcast where we explore cutting-edge technology and the experts behind it. In each episode, we give our guests a chance to delve deep into their area of expertise, sharing insights and knowledge that you won't find anywhere else. In this episode, we're excited to have Nils Salberg and Kenneth Ulrich from the Scale-Up Stream Analyze join us to talk about the rapidly evolving field of edge computing. As industry leaders in this space, they bring a wealth of experience and insight to the conversation. If you're new to edge computing, don't worry, we've got you covered. On our main channel, Designing the Robot Revolution, we have an episode where Nils and Kenneth helps us lay the foundation for understanding this important technology. Be sure to check it out before diving into this conversation. You can find the link in the description of this episode. During our chat, Nils and Kenneth share their perspectives on what's driving the rise of edge computing, its potential impacts on various industries, and what their company is doing to push the boundaries of what's possible. We had a blast talking to Nils and Kenneth, and we're excited to share their insights with you. So sit back, relax, and get ready to deep dive into the world of edge computing with Robot Revolution Deep Dives Edge Computing. My name is Kenneth Ulrich. I'm a data scientist and programmer. I started working at Stream Analyze this year, but uh, I have a long background in, I worked a lot in telecom, getting devices to be smarter and more reliable. Anyway, it's a, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yes, my name is Neil Solberg. I'm heading business development and strategy as vice president at Stream Analyze. Uh, I have a background from large industrial corporations. Uh, so when the opportunity came that, that they actually, well, Maybe you want to join this company and, and, and build it up and so forth. I can really resist. So, so I, I joined. And uh, yeah. And now we're here. You guys are doing edge computing, which is a topic that is fascinating for me. Please tell me, what, why is edge computing so interesting? What, what, what is this? A central aspect of edge computing as it's currently conceived is that there are very long development cycles between coming up with some data analysis that you would like to perform, for example, and actually deploying it on the edge. And that has real consequences for the way that software development is done. It might be tempting, as we said, to try to just vacuum up as much data as possible in advance, thinking that, well, we don't know what might come in handy subsequently, so so better safe than sorry. In practice, you'll end up assembling transferring and storing at horrific expense uh, a haystack that you hope to find some needles in eventually. What we can offer and what we're working on is, is the prospect of being able to perform more of the intelligence on the device and avoiding um, that, that sense of needing to hoard all of your data centrally in a data lake or what have you, uh, and rather have the intelligence out on the edge. Uh, and doing the processing there. This was actually one of the things that actually made uh, our founder, one of our founders, Turerish, which is our CTO, when he started to think about our company. I mean, that was actually, he came in contact with space physicists, and it was actually a problem using radio telescopes that, I mean, they receive so much data on a continuous stream. So you can't really, it's not really possible to store it all. So they had to figure out a, a way of actually handing all this data directly in the data stream in real time uh, because they couldn't really store it. And that was one of the 
the the things that actually got this whole idea going, so to speak. Can you tell me how edge computing sort of has been? Like, give me the the rundown of why is there why why are there problems in edge computing? Just back it up, and we talk about before you entered, sort of what what happened there. Sure. I think this will be a bit of a theme in our conversation that even though it's not part of perhaps the technical definition of edge computing, um, these very long development cycles are, are one of its central features or, or have been one of its central features. And as a result, um, suppose you're, you're trying to create an AI model based on data collected from, it could be, uh, machines in a factory, or it could be um, vehicles in a fleet, or what have you. Um, you would like to be able to get those insights, um, get as much data as you need to be able to, to make the insights, and then do something intelligent with them while, the, while, while it still makes sense to do so. And uh, because of these long development cycles, it's been in practice very difficult to gather the necessary data in an efficient and cost-effective manner. And as a result, a lot of potentially interesting ideas are non-starters. And if we instead uh, have this uh, paradigm that we got from our origin story with the telescopes of data superabundance and, and, and trying to cut through the data in real time and identify the, the, the signal and, and do something with it uh, quickly, um, then, then you can do different kinds of, of things. You can have your, your devices in the factory, your manufacturing machines or, or your vehicles. You can notice something about them, perform analysis, update the relevant software on the edge, and then do something with it and, and improve the situation in real time, uh, which has not previously been possible. There is a sort of impedance mismatch where um, the software development cycles are long and the, the analytical cycles could be much shorter. You could notice something about a, a potential improvement in your system or something that, that's going wrong for that matter. And then you're trapped waiting a very long time for your opportunity via the embedded engineers and the uh, firmware update to put your insights into practice. And you would, you would like there to be a better uh, congruence between the, the analytical cycles and the software development cycles. I mean, a software cycle, when you, when Ken kind of referring to a release cycle here, I mean, that could be, for instance, now they're thinking about, oh, we have a release cycle next summer and we're in November now. And we say, but hold on, we can do this analytics thing during next week. And if you take that with you and you add time to market aspects to it, you kind of see the importance of this. It's like... It's like a customer told us that we cannot take away the, the development in research and development. They do it so fast. Uh, and if it's not really there, they change it. And then it's there. So you kind of you you kind of you work continuously with this. We kind of it it, it opens a whole new world to them. But 
how how do you decide what to do? Uh, what's the use case for for that? Because I, I can imagine that there's a lot of use in, as you say, like comp- compressing the amount of data that you need to send, making that more manageable. But how do you choose what computations to make and then what to transmit further? I think uh, you're putting your finger on on an important aspect of the problem, which is um, how, how do you choose and also when do you choose? Um, uh, you, you'd like to be in a situation where you can make some sort of insight in close to real time uh, on your desktop, hey, I have a great idea for how I might be able to um, uh, predict maintenance on uh, uh, on, autom- on an automobile engine or um, ensure that the engine runs more efficiently. Uh, and there, it's very important if you do have um, a good analytical model that you've conceived to be able to get it out with as little friction as possible onto the device. Uh, and so the platform that we have enables that deployment in just a few seconds to the device because it doesn't necessitate a recompilation or a, a complete firmware upgrade on the device. So I think that we're working in a somewhat different paradigm where you're allowed to iterate. You can tweak your model in response to new information or requirements. And, and shorten that development cycle. Your solution then, why is it different? What have you been up to, so to speak? Through the technical efforts of uh, many very gifted people over, over actually a couple of decades. Uh, this, and, and that's part of it because um, when this work was originated, uh, I think literally about 20 years ago, Obviously, uh, computer cycles and RAM were at more of a premium than they are now. And that technical heritage persists uh, and and I think colors the the product that we have today. Uh, But we are able to offer uh, a solution that behaves the same way on the desktop and on the edge so that you're expressing your analytical work in our programming language, OSQL, and you can run it on your your desktop or or what we call our our server application. And then you can deploy exactly that code just by transferring it uh, within a few seconds to an edge device. So there's no porting required. You have the framework that supports the code already running on the edge, and then you're able to deploy to that framework in runtime. That's very distinctive and powerful. So, so um, um, what I'm thinking then is that most of the time you would also, you would have that embedded in a ship. I don't know if it's a sensor on some machine measuring heat or vibration or something, and then you would, take that and you would do some operation there, but then you would send the rest of the data somewhere else where you, you can, can act, act on, on a surprisingly that... large amount of the data on the device. Um, assuming you have at least some minimal amount of, of um, uh, memory and, and uh, processing cycles available. And what you might choose to do, for example, it, we, we offer um, 
the ability to uh, store a certain amount of data on the device in case you have intermittent access to, to the cloud, for example. That, would, that might be one paradigm. But another might be just to do most of the important analysis on the device and then send like a digest of it to a centralized location, accepting that that does involve some lo loss of data, but, but the trade-off is very appealing. Uh, you, you, you can reduce your data transfer by several orders of magnitude and maybe not have an adverse impact on your analysis in practice at all. How how common is what well, how in, in your in your experience, how common is it that we have I mean we have a lot of devices around us all the time. Um how many of those devices would you say are would qualify to have some sort of edge capability now? And what's your vision of that going and, forward? And th there's a curious phenomenon by which on, on the one hand, we, we seem to be getting more edge devices all around us with you know, smart homes and the Internet of Things and smart factories, Industry 4.0, all of those things. But there's also uh, a manner in which devices seem to graduate from edge status. Um, we don't think of our mobile phones as edge devices anymore. They're, they're too powerful. They're too fully featured, uh, et cetera. Uh, right. Maybe at one time we would have. Um, uh, and so, so to some extent, uh, when, when edge devices become really, really capable, then maybe we start thinking of them in different terms. So you're basically setting up the infrastructure like the, the highways, not even the highways, you're, you're doing something different. I'm trying to find a good analogy for what you're doing, but it's not really about transferring stuff. It's more about doing the, the operation itself, but not providing the the service I, I i can i can get behind that i i think i think that makes sense to me um so what's a customer problem what 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 why why does customers now think that and i'm thinking about your industrial partners and, and customers now and not not maybe end customers so much but why would an, an industrial company think that oh we need to move into edge what's the trigger for them there it's so many different use cases. I can give you a lot of examples, but to mention just a few of them, I mean, for instance, uh, Kenneth earlier uh, spoke about uh, vehicles here. I mean, they generate so much data. So for instance, maybe you want the capability of dynamic logging. So you kind of change what you log all the time. So you will be able to say, okay, now you want to check this. So now you want to check that, or uh, I want to crunch this amount, this this specific data and see what happens to that, or or now I want to change it to this area instead. Well, that's an edge computing capability, for instance. Or um, what kind of examples can take? I can take serv for service aspects, for instance. Um, if you have a product, it breaks down. You probably, that supplier will kind of send out the service technicians. That service technician had no idea what's wrong with your product because they can't interact with it. So it goes out to you and they check it and they can realize, okay, this is the problem. If you're unlucky, then they don't have the equipment they need to fix it. So they need to go back and then they come back some other time. And this is a problem. I mean, it's, it's so many problems with this. It can be it both, it's, it's generates a lot of cost 
for the company the service technician kind of represents, uh, the service from your aspect as a consumer or a customer is not really that good because you, you they haven't fixed your problem. They are turning back and they come back some other time. Instead, if you work with that computer, you can interact with this product, whatever it might be then. Um, and you, they can start asking questions like, what's wrong with you? What happened? Or uh, how has this been used earlier? So they kind of, they kind of, they can get prepared before and then they go out. And, and I would say an even more interesting aspect is based on how you have used your product, they can calculate backwards when they should do the service or give you some uh, so the spare parts or whatever it might be. Um, and they can't do that now. But this is just examples of, of what Edge can do. To take a very simple example that nonetheless illustrates the distinction between data and analysis, you could imagine having a fleet of trucks that was sending up a, a bunch of data signals that are relevant to the question of how much the fleet is costing you per, per week, per month, per year. Or if you do some intelligence on the edge, you could have, for example, a spreadsheet updating in real time, this is how much the fleet is costing in dollars and cents or in euros right now. Here's what it was costing last week. What if we made this change? Then it would cost this much instead. Uh, and, and that uh, immediacy and being able to act on the information, synthesize it, and do something smart is, is at the core of this. Do you love this podcast? If so, you can do one thing to really help us out. Share this episode with someone that would really like it. Thank you. It seems to me like a capability like this is something that a company sort of chooses to invest in. It's not a necessity if you want to keep going as you are. But if you want to be in the forefront of the digital, the the connected, then this is a capability that could make a lot of sense to invest in. My hypothesis here is that pro probably the companies that choose to work with you are companies that are sort of on the aware side of that coin. Is that fair or is it am i missing something there because it feels like to me like having a clear vision is what enables this type of investment or this type of like direction for a for a producer of anything for me uh i mean working with business development is kind of interesting when you talk to customers how how different i mean the the driving force behind the decision is some people feel threatened and that's why they choose to invest in us and 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 some companies they do that because they want to be in the forefront it's it's very different driving forces there uh, i mean i mean you, you take we talked about vehicles earlier tesla has taken the 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 car manufacturing uh, segment in a, in a in a totally new position that are they doing it because they want to, or is it they're doing it because they're threatened? If they don't do it, they're in trouble. Right. It depends what kind of industry you're talking to. And I, I do think it's worth bearing in mind that we have a lot of industrial customers. Mm. Uh, and uh, sure, 
they they can be they can vary in the extent to which they want to be at the forefront, but there is also uh, for very good reason a lot of conservatism in in that field. Um, yeah, hugely capital intensive processes that are expensive if they break, and the fact that we nevertheless see all kinds of demand for the sort of edge computing services or, or platforms that we provide, um, I think illustrates that there's evident value. Hmm. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's seen to be worthwhile anyway, despite the considerations I just mentioned. Right. So it's, uh, am I interpreting you correctly when I say this, not, maybe not the, the, the wish to be in the forefront of technology so much as we have to do this in order to do this operation on our machine or something like that that is I, I think that's right if you have if you're operating a large factory uh hugely capital intensive i don't think you care very much about being cool but you do care a lot about that factory running as well as it can what would you say is your next step as stream analyze you're you're in the scale up uh part of your journey how was it to be a startup and, and how did it feel to to transition out of that and become a, a scale-up? I mean, for instance, I mean, we were we were recognized as one of the Sweden's leading tech startups. Uh, and last year, that kind of made our job quite different because instead of us contacting different companies and try to under- make them understand what they do, uh, what, what they could do with our product or platform, they kind of start to, I guess they kind of start thinking about, hold on, have we missed something here? You know, mm-hmm. they start contacting us uh, and it kind of, it gives a lot of, uh, I mean, we don't have this big uh, brand. Uh, we are, we, 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 we are a scale up. Um, so you, you did this kind of media fuzz, get a bus gets a lot of positive things for us uh, and the whole conversation changes instead of me explaining they kind of ask questions um, and I guess it's the same thing with 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 uh, other people within our companies as well company as well but it's 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 a it's it's quite a fascinating journey uh, that happened the last two years um, mm. in this aspect and going forward it's also I mean we just now we got recognized as I mean you see this macro political aspect of of artificial intelligence and knowledge about AI analytics moving to the states or Asia whatever and Europe wants to keep this so what they have actually done is the European Union has has uh, put together a huge fund uh, with a lot of money in it and they actually pinpoint certain companies within this field that they want to okay stay in Europe so to speak so they kind of make sure that knowledge is in Europe. And we were actually pinpointed as one of them uh, very, very recently, uh, which is also very, very uh, exciting. And from a technical standpoint, how has that been for you to transition from a a startup to a scale-up? It's funny. On the the technical side, it's... uh, it quite closely parallels the scale out of the uh, organization in that um, we're in the very happy position of, of having software that uh, already works exactly as it should, but we want to make sure that it can be deployed 
at the kinds of scale we anticipate in the future with very large federations, uh, very large interconnected uh, networks of, of edge devices, for example. Uh, and that's something we're hard at work at currently. So, so there's a, a strong correspondence between, between the, the technical issues that arise and, and the, the growth of the company. Hmm. And the, the difference between being a scale-up and a huge industrial company is 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 uh, so obvious. Also, when you talk about what you can actually promise and say to to others, I mean, I'm used to kind of be a bit careful of what I'm saying hmm. and so forth. Here at this scale-up, I mean, within Stream Analyze, it's like these technical guys kind of say, "Well, you can say this or that," and I said, like, "Are you sure?" Can I say that? Yeah, do that. And you kind of, you kind of, they push us in front of them, you know, that the technical side kind of pushes the business development side. It's a very unusual feeling, <laughs> uh, but it's also a very cool thing. Uh, so it's, it's nice. Awesome. And if we look forward now then, uh, in the short term, what are you guys looking for and looking to do? What we're looking for, I would say, I mean, we're expanding a lot now. So we are looking for a lot of good, very competent people. That's what we're doing right now. Um, Customer-wise, we're doing very well. So we we, we have our mouth full there. Uh, but but it's it's more, okay, how do we expand the business in an organization, I would say, rather than the business? How do we expand the organization and, and handle the organization in a good manner? Uh, going forward, I think that's a very, very important part for us. Would you say it's like, is it developers or? And, and, and remember now that we're actually looking at a couple of months from now, just so you know, uh, that's kind of important. Um, but like, is it developers or what, what kind of like competencies do you look for when you, I, I, I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> what, what kind of colleagues do you want, Conan? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think that, uh, well, developers, uh, data scientists, uh, but, uh, but above all, uh, uh, people that uh, love to learn new things and solve problems and can communicate about that, that work as they go. Uh, and I, I think that we're, we're very lucky to have, um, despite our recent growth, uh, a, a kind of organizational culture that that runs on people trusting each other to to be competent and do the right thing and it 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 affords a lot of flexibility and and if you if you want to know exactly what people really do at stream analyze uh their job title isn't always the best indication Uh, people people work in all sorts of cross-cutting ways in a way that i think is really beneficial but if you're curious about it, I mean, just, I mean, check me out on LinkedIn or something. Yeah. Send me a message. It's, it's pretty easy to get in contact with us. That's Nils Salberg at Stream Analyze. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Thank you guys for joining and talking about edge computing. It has been really educational, really pleasant and fun. Uh, so yeah. thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And thank you so much for inviting us. Uh, it's very, very exciting times. It's very interesting subject. So, so thank you so much.